Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Into footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's just get it out the way early. This is not a glorious, not a glorious Thursday morning. It, you know, it's not awful, but it's certainly not glorious. Astros, kind of, you know, it's early on. They hadn't been home in forever. Think about it. They 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 went to spring, and then they're opening up on the longest road trip of the season. Everybody keeps saying that, but like I, they're, I haven't looked at the whole schedule. There's got to be another nine-game road trip. But anyway, West Coast thing. So they're probably, um, you know, waiting to get home. They open up a three-game series tonight in Asia, and so you know, it's it it, it it's a long trip. But man, you play an awful team. I mean, that that lineup for the D-backs is just awful. You play an awful team. You try to give them the game over and over. They're so bad they don't want to take it. So at that point, I'm like, well, let's just win the game. Like you, you, you've played awful. But they're not good, so just win the game. Then it finally looked like you were going to win the game, and you blow it. I mean, it's just like. They threw 101 pitches through four innings. Think about that. 101 pitches through four innings. At that point, it's like, throw underhand, cat. You know, it's you know, it's like you know, you can't shoot free throws. Go granny style. You can't throw a ball in the in the batter's box underhand. But again, it's just one loss. They're four and two. They just need to win one out of three in Asia, and they'll have a winning road trip. Which you can never sneeze at winning road trips, especially, you know. West Coast nine game trips to open the season. So you know if they um, if they win two out of three, it's a six and three road trip. It's outstanding. If they uh, win one, one, as long as they don't get swept, it, it's it's in the big picture, not a big deal. You know, not a lot of teams when they go on these nine game West Coast trips have winning records. So you just, I get it. It's just man can't be that hard to score two runs you know the pitching was horrible and yet they didn't give up runs because the Diamondbacks refused to get a hit with a runner in scoring position they refused to do it but anyway it um it would have been really nice to play that bad to pitch that bad and suddenly be five and one and guarantee a winning road trip. That would have been nice, but it didn't happen. Got to move on. We'll see. Um, hopefully Verlander. Wasn't Verlander's first start in Seattle, in Asia? Seemed like it was. So I have a good memory of, of Verlander pitching in Asia. And so hopefully um, 
I know he's pitching at some point this weekend, so hopefully that uh, maybe Saturday. Hopefully he can get at least that one win. Of course, normally that's like normally the the Astros own Asia. Like they they play great in Seattle, and they normally hit the ball in Seattle. The one good thing that I know about this weekend, the Astros are not going to give up a home run to Corey Seager, which they've given up a lot of home runs to Corey Seager over the years, but he retired, so we don't have to watch the Astros give up a home run to Corey Seager. That's a good thing. His brother, by the way, oh, Kyle, I keep saying Corey. His brother, Corey, is the one playing. Well, they're not going to give up a home run to Corey Seager because he plays for the Rangers now. I'm talking about Kyle Seager, his older brother. But Corey Seager hit a home run and it got stolen the other day, and I'm not looking forward to facing him, too to be honest with you. All right. So, Les did it earlier today. A friend of mine texted me yesterday. He says, are you ready? This is what he says. Are you ready? Um, The draft is a week from tomorrow. Eh, The draft is not a week from tomorrow. I said 15. This is I said this yesterday. I said 15 days, cat. 15 days. He said, no, the draft is a week from tomorrow. No, the draft is 15 days away. That's what I said yesterday. Now it's 14 days away. And Les said it, uh, stumbled and said it. It's because everybody's like, there's no way it could possibly be that long away. That's what everybody's thinking. That's why multiple people are making this, have this misconception. It's like, it can't possibly be 14 more days from, it can't possibly take that long. That's why they all keep saying that. And I said, I know, Kat, but no, you're wrong. It's not a week from tomorrow. It's 14 days away. 14, that's a big number. Like when we when we come back Monday after this great holiday weekend, uh, it's still going to be 10 days away. It's still going to be double-digit days till the draft. A week from, no, no, he said, it's a, it's, it's, it's a week from tomorrow. No, I know, I know what you mean. It should be, it should be here like yesterday, but it's not. We got 14 more days, 14 of listening to people around the country tell me I'm going to do the dumbest thing ever. I I just, now I got to admit, because of these, absurd reports that caused me to lose a night of sleep uh earlier this week i um i've heard a lot of conversation on and off the air that have that's actually helped me like i i actually feel more convinced that it's not going to happen now than I did a week ago. Think about that. A week ago, it was 21 days away. Now it's 14 days away. I don't know how I'm going to make 14 more days. 14. <sighs> Unbelievable. But but I, I, I'm, I, I'm feeling good, and I am, um, it, just, it just needs to get here. Man, it needs to get here.
it is um it, it, it's it it can you imagine like 14 days from now when we show up lord willing to do the show like I, it's going to be the strangest feeling it's like we've been waiting forever for this and um it, it, the nerves it, it's going to be it's going to it's going to be a brutal day i just hope the day at work my nerves are going to be bad that day my nerves are bad now can you imagine 14 days from now 14 that's a long time and i but but i i'm i i mean every bit of logic says they're they're not going to do the the stupidest thing ever. Now, Manny yesterday brought up the fact that they might do not the stupidest thing ever, but just something really stupid, which is stay where you are and use one of those picks for a quarterback, which would not be the stupidest thing ever, but it would be like, you know, still pretty stupid. So I don't want stupid right now. I want good, solid, logical, let's move forward right now. That's what I want. That needs to happen. Like, I wonder if this happens. I'm just throwing this out there. Like, Cam Jordan was on Get Up like two or three times this week. Earlier this week. In New York, in the studio. Like, I wonder if Loomis or Dennis Allen, before he went on national TV, gave him an idea of, okay, not not saying we're going to pick this guy or this guy, but like, understand, Cat, we ain't picking a quarterback. do Do I look stupid to you? Like, I wonder if they had that conversation. Don't go on the air. And, and hint like, or go on the hair, air and hint like, we are going to pick a quarterback, which he didn't do. What, what Cam did was say that he said what I've been saying. He basically said, call Cat. We if we'd have been healthy last year, we'd have won 12 or 13 games. Which is what I believe. So why would we not want to win now? That's basically what he said. So I'm hoping, I have no idea, obviously. That's why I'm asking, bringing up the point as a question. I wonder if before they, before one of the team leaders went on national TV, he had a conversation with the GM or the head coach to say, okay, I just want to get an idea. Like, we're, we're not doing the stupidest thing ever, are we? Because I don't, I don't want to go on TV and say something and then us do the stupidest thing ever. I wonder if that happened. Hopefully it did because he did not say we're going to do the stupidest thing ever. He said, he said, Cat, if we'd have been healthy last year, we'd have won 12 or 13 games. So why would we give up now? Why would we take mulligans on this season and next season by picking a quarterback? I don't think that's going to happen. So hopefully that's the deal. All right. 
In the 10 o'clock, we have open phone lines for the rest of this hour. We're about to go to our first time out. In the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to do week two. Um, talking Astros baseball, so looking forward to that with Patrick McClellan. Also, we're going to, at around 10.35, Mr. Tom will be back. We had three derby prep races, very busy derby prep race weekend this past weekend. Um, and so we will look to um, Mr. Tom then and, and, and tell us what happened. And, and by then, if you plan on betting, placing a bet, which I'm sure many of you will, on the Kentucky Derby on May the 7th, which is more than 14 days away. What is that? May the 7th. It's probably like 23 days away. So people like Mr. Tom, I feel sorry for them. But at least they have like these derby prep races to look at. Like we have mock drive. If you're an NFL draft fan, you have mock drafts, but don't, that's like, that's like fool's goal. That's beyond fool's goal. It means nothing. It's some idiot's opinion. At least derby prep races are actual races to kind of feed their hunger. But, man, they got longer to wait than the NFL draft people do. Patience, grasshopper. I just don't have it. I, I wish I was a grasshopper that had patience. But uh, I'm not. All right. That's a reference that. The younger ones in in the studio and listening don't get, but that's okay. We will take a timeout. Try to regroup 14 days. Try to get my mind off of that. Astros bullpen did good yesterday, except for the closer. We'll get to that next hour as well. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, you can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. Want to remind you if you want to do Festival International, this is the way to do it. Go to the website, join the Rewards Club. And you might get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air conditioning, restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, posters, all kind of great stuff. All you need to do is go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, join the rewards club, and you might win this great Festival International prize pack. All right. It is Thursday, but because of Easter weekend, it is a um, a little bit of an unusual schedule. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
Um, and so we will see how, you know, LSU's at Arkansas. If LSU was at home against Arkansas, I, I, th- I would feel good about them winning two out of three. On the road, uh, I don't know. That's going to be tough. Cajuns are at South Alabama. In softball, outstanding uh, opportunity for them to just seize the opportunity. And if they win all three games or they only play two, I last I heard, 70% chance of rain today in Mobile. Although I think that's more early. So I think they might be okay because it's a night game. And then a 60% chance early on Saturday. So I think Saturday weather-wise um, – is more of a more in jeopardy because they're supposed to get rain earlier, and that game is scheduled for noon on Saturday. But this is such an important series; they might like double up one of the days if they have to. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Cajuns open up baseball wise a three game home series against ULM at six o'clock tonight at Russo. And I the the way I'm looking at the Cajuns. I don't have the schedule memorized, but I've glanced at it a few times in the last week. And 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 the here's what I think is the key. I don't know that Coach Deggs would say it this way anyway. But the way I look at it is they have three home series in conference left that are against teams that are below them in the standings. Not saying they can't lose those games. It's baseball. Of course you can lose them. Um, the, the Astros lost to an awful Diamondbacks team yesterday, but it happens. So they can lose, but if they can, if they can like sweep those nine games, teams that are below them, that on paper they're better than, and they're at home. If they can win eight out of nine or nine out of nine of those, then they can afford in the big picture, I think, to maybe go to Georgia State next weekend, and if they only win one out of three. You you want to win every game, but chances of winning every game it's not good. It's not it's not going to happen. But if they can go eight and one or nine and zero, oh, preferably in those three home series the rest of the way, then even if they uh, lose some of the some games on these road series, they should be pretty good in the big picture. So that that chore starts tonight. The problem is, you know, Monroe, Monroe's not been playing well. And they don't have a lot of de- pitching depth, but their number one guy's pretty good. Look at his numbers. It, it, he looks pretty good. Barlow. And every time I see Barlow, I think of Ken Barlow. I don't know why. I just love the way that he used to say that. Ken Barlow. Callous. But anyway, um, and the number two pitcher's pretty good. Now, they're not, you know, they, they sh- the Cadence should have a huge advantage. In, on Saturday in the pitching matchup. But uh, you still got to play. Like I, like Coach Deggs always talks about, a lot of times you're not playing against the other team, you're playing against yourself. That's kind of what it was yesterday for the Astros. It was, it was like, just throw a strike, Cat. Throw a strike. It just just get one hit. Man, Altuve hit a ball. It would have been a three-run homer. That would have put the game away in the 10th inning. And he, it went like 10 feet far. Sickening. Sickening. But anyway, so it, 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 it's a game day. Last night, get, did get a chance to see some of the Pelicans win over the Spurs. 
man, it's unbelievable how young and inexperienced and sly. I mean, man, the Spurs look young. But no, Pelicans, they look good, no question. Pelicans look good. They uh, they did a lot of good things. Um, Ingram played big. McCollum played big. Um, and again, it, you, you gotta have you gotta have some perspective on this. Like a lot of people, we talked about it yesterday. Criticized the Timberwolves for over celebrating. Well, you know, again, they haven't had a lot of playoff success. Or a lot of playoff experience. So just let them celebrate. The Pelicans, it was a huge night for the franchise. They've had a lot of negativity over the last three or four years. A lot. So you're playing technically a, a you know a postseason game. Um, you're playing technically a postseason game. So why not have fun? They had a huge crowd. Um and and they played very well and they won. So I'm I'm hearing um some that you know people get get too crazy. I, I I think they've done very 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 well. And so will they beat the Clippers tomorrow night? That's gonna be tough going back on the West Coast, but we'll see. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello, Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie. Do you realize it's only 13 days to Shohei Otani pitches at Minute Maid Park? Oh, here we go again. Boy, the man loves Shohei Otani. Well, footsie, I mean, if a person likes likes somebody, a person likes somebody. I mean, they're just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But then, footsie, I, I got some really bad news for you. I hate to break this to you, but Shohei Otani pitches on that Wednesday and then the Astros are off on Thursday. Oh, so, I thought we looked it up and it said that. Oh, you talking about the day of the draft? Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. that they were playing a day game that day, I was told. Uh-uh. No. Okay. You got two nine-game road trips. You got one in May and one in May and June. I said I sent you a text. Which I'll look all that stuff up for you to help you out, kind of like, you know, like a research person. Right. But, yeah, no. I mean, just think if Shohei Otani does his deal and the Astros lose and the Saints move up to pick a quarterback. You going to come host the show that day? That could be on Hannah on Friday. Oh, no, you, no, it's going to have to be terrible on you. You're going to have to come and do the show for me. <laughs> I don't think they want me doing a show. <laughs> I'm going to be bitter. I'll be, I'm seriously, I'll be horizontal going, oh. <laughs> Oh, footsie. Please don't do that to me. Well, Please don't let that happen. I'm fired up about Shohei Otani pitching. I think I might take off and go. (sighs) You need to take off and come do the show if he wins and the Astros trade up for a quarterback. (laughs) I mean the Saints. Well, well, now on on, uh, Peter King's, I don't know, podcast or whatever, Mickey Loomis said the Saints are in a perfect position. Now they talk about trading back. Well, if that happens, that? I'll be horizontal for another reason. I'll just faint in total shock because, like, that never happens. Yeah, so so they say they're in a position of power. They got two picks. They think they can get players that can contribute right away. Or if somebody wants to move up, they can trade back. So, you know, I saw my graph on CBS Sports today. They got uh, 
the Saints taking an offensive lineman from Mississippi State, then a wide receiver from Arkansas, and then they got him taking uh, Matt Corral in the second round. Now, what do you think about Matt Corral in the second round? I, 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 you know me. I don't want to pick. I really don't want to pick one in the whole draft. If they, I, I think the third round would be the first round that they could pick a quarterback where I wouldn't be upset necessarily. I wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't be upset because essentially their third round pick is really a fourth round pick. It's really not a third round pick. It's like the whole third round is is taken and then they have these extra third round picks, which they call the third round, but it's really the fourth round. So I, I it really to me that would be a fourth round quarterback pick. I it wouldn't that wouldn't be the end of the world. That's that's the first round because I think when you pick <coughs> <clears throat> to Mickey Loomis's point, when you're picking in the top 50, you should be able to pick a really good player that can help you pretty close to right away, if not right away. So that's just too high to me still in the, a 49, a top 50 pick to be picking a quarterback. Well, all right, Footsie, so just remember, CC is better. It's only 13 days to show Hey Otani oh. Minute May. You better you better I'm clear your schedule. About it, clear your schedule. You might have to do my show. <laughs> All right, Footsie. Have a good day. Just just try to relax about it. Just, oh, relax. Uh, I told Troy. I told Troy just get in the hammock and, since since we know he can't he's ineligible to win the World Series. Yeah, it's a hammock season. Get in the hammock and relax. But this yeah, ain't hammock season. You're right. You're right. Thanks, Bitter. But no, the problem no, like if you're a Braves fan, then yeah, it's a hammock season. You don't worry about anything. I mean, I love the hammock season. I remember the um, the Astros hammock season after winning the World Series. You know, you just, you, like, losses like yesterday, you're like, who cares if you walk 72 batters and lose 3-2? to two? Who cares? We won the World Series. You got to enjoy the hammock season. Like, there's no reason. The only time that I got upset during the Astros hammock season is when they took the home run away from Altuve in the in the ALCS uh, against the stupid Red Sox. That was the only time that I really started that I got really upset because I I still say that was a home run. But um, but no, you got to enjoy the hammock season. The problem is this is not a hammock draft. This is a critical draft, like. They really need to do this right. They really need to not do something really stupid. I wish this was a hammock draft, but it's not. And so, um, I don't know, Bitter, Manny, somebody's going to have to come do the show for me that Friday if all that stuff happens. That would be awful. I'm hoping that if we talk about it enough, then it won't happen. That's my strategy. That's my plan. My daughter Riley fussed at me again last night. Stop talking about that. Talk about the Astros. And um, I said, that's coming, but we got to get past this draft first. She hates football. She only likes baseball. So, see, it's it's not just even my daughter's fussed at me. Stop talking about that. Talk about the Astros. We'll do that about 45 minutes from now when Patrick comes on. For now, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college, where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The game hotline number 706-0111. Want to remind you, if you want to win tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, you need to text 68. You need to text Angola to 68683. Text Angola to 68683. You can win tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo. And look, if you're if you want to win tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, it's only nine days away. Single digits. That's nothing compared to 14 days away or 23 days away. I mean, if you're fired up about the Angola Prison Rodeo, it's only nine days away. So what you worried about? All you need to do is text Angola to 68683. You might win free tickets. And you only have to wait nine days. Where people like me got to wait 14 days. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Howdy. I would have hated to be your parents in the month of December with Christmas coming up. If you're just nervous over a draft, you must have been nuts come Christmas time. I, never, I guess there was some time. I, I never presents were never that big a deal for me. I, you know, I, I, I no, I was fine in that. I was fine with that. Well, uh, that makes me feel better for them anyway, because you drove me crazy <laughs> if I was Santa Claus. Oh man, really? There, there, there's no Christmas, Christmas presents. There's no Christmas pre- now. Look, I, I'm not saying I was never impatient, like you know, for the start of football season or the start of baseball season, but Christmas presents, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't like them, but I I, I was cool with that. <laughs> and another question, when Hannah gets married, is she going to be Hannah Six Names? Uh, is, is your married name, is her married name part of five names already? I don't know. I've not been clued in on that information. Well, the, the listening public needs to know. But anyway, let's talk draft. I, I was in a refinery yesterday, so I'm not allowed to use my phone, but I, I was listening to everything going on, and the subject of guard came up. And just, I, I think they've got too many options at guard to waste an early pick on one of those, even though there are actually going to be some pretty good ones when we pick. Yes. But, but as much as we love to dog Pete, I think his presence was missed last year. I really do. And Ruiz, while he's been a letdown so far, if they get to a point where they're really panicking with him at guard, the idea of moving Ruiz to center, which is really his natural position, and swinging McCoy out to guard isn't out of the question either. They've been hesitant because, I mean, McCoy's, I think, an all-pro at center, definitely a pro bowler and one of the top three or four in the league. So that's why they were hesitant to make that move. But in a panic situation... 
the Saints have the capability to do that as well. So I don't think guard, that doesn't mean they may not draft one later in the draft, but I think burning a pick in the first two rounds on a guard, although, I mean, I've got friends joking, this means the Saints are picking a center when they uh, when they made the trade for two first-rounders. I guess the Saints are picking another center, but uh, I just, I'm starting to think Cross may, may actually fall to us. I've been seeing more and more mock drafts with him dropping a little, which... I'll run over to your studio and kiss you if that happens for him to fall. Because I was thinking they may even trade up. You can kiss Hannah, but don't kiss me. (laughs) But, no, look, I I think for that to happen, though, I think Seattle's going to need to pick a quarterback. I don't know that that's going to happen. I actually am starting to think both Carolina and Atlanta take quarterbacks, I think, which somebody yesterday was saying, didn't they see the Liberty UL film, which – Malik Willis, for some reason, everybody's so high on him. I can't shake that game out of my head. I thought the first time he faced a, a decent defense, he folded up like a pup tent. But uh, I'm sure these scouts see more as far as just raw ability. He's probably the best quarterback in the draft. But I'm seeing Carolina taking Pickett and then Atlanta taking Willis. And I don't believe those, that. If, if that happens, you're going to start having really good players start to fall down. Oh, I hope it happens. I just don't. Yeah. Oh, I hope it happens. I just I just don't believe that it's going to. All right, I think Hannah's here. What's the answer, Hannah? Um, I am not adding it to become six names. I'm either dropping my middle name to add my last names there or just dropping my last name altogether to trade it for my new last name. So I'll become Hannah four names, but also go by Hannah five names. Don't worry. Well, do me one favor, girl. This hyphenated stuff drives me crazy. Please, no hyphen. Because if you do that, then I'm just going to call you Hannah Hyphen. I mean, I already have two hyphens in my name right now. I love alliteration. (laughs) Either keep your name, take his name. Look, I'm not opposed to you making him taking your name. I'm good with that, too. But the hyphen stuff just doesn't flow with me. So we're counting on you. We're praying for you, too, girl. I'm excited for you. The best years of my life have been spent married. So. Just hold off on having kids. That's when stuff gets turned on its head. Oh, yeah. No, Kevin, don't worry. Yes, sir. I, I, I wonder if she's as excited about her wedding as you are the draft. No, probably uh, not. Fiance I, I think we're about thing. the same. <laughs> we're at the same of Are excitement. you counting down the days? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow what, what's makes, the number? Tomorrow makes exactly one year till we get married. Oh, that's that's a long so. way, though. Yeah. Oh, I was counting that's when it was like draft, 425. Girl, <laughs> that's two drafts from now, so well, we'll we'll start worrying. Yeah, that's plenty of time. You got time to figure out what you want for your cake, what you're serving for food, who you're inviting. Oh yeah, I got all oh, that's already planned just out. Just don't put any chocolate chips in that cake. No, it's gonna be awesome. an almond cake, like okay. regular cake. Yeah, cakes. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. Thanks, Joey. God bless, guys. Take take care. No, again, there's some things that I'm patient with. And there's some things that I'm impatient with, but uh, get I, I I mean I look when I was a kid I'm sure I like presents don't get me wrong but I, I don't ever remember like being the kind that's got to go open the present before I you know that you got to just that that was not something I don't ever remember being real tr- being in traffic that I'm impatient with my phone not working that I'm impatient with. The TV not working when I want to watch a game that I'm impatient with. But uh, no, not 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 Christmas presents. All right, again the game hotline seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. All right, I want to comment on this Clayton Kershaw stuff. <coughs> there are a lot 
of really good points about, and a lot of people are talking about them. Um, I get the baseball is not a <clears throat> a sport that you know gets led with a lot on news cycles. I get that point. That when you have a chance for baseball to be the number one thing, you got to take it. I don't worry about that as much for me, but I get that point. Um, you got to, you know, it's a little more complicated for me, this subject. Because I'm not about the individual. I'm about the team. And so, you know, and plus, if you listen to me, you know how I feel. If that was an Astro pitcher, I would be going, please give up a hit. Like, I want to win tomorrow and today. I don't know if it's one to nothing. I don't want to give up a hit because I might still lose. But they were up seven to nothing. If I remember correctly at the time, I think they were like when you're up seven to nothing in the eighth inning. If my pitcher's got a perfect game going, I'm like, no, give up a hit. Because I want to win today and tomorrow. If you if you throw a no-hitter or a perfect game, your chance of winning the next day go way down. Way down. I remember when Matt Kane threw a no-hitter against the Astros. Now, the Astros weren't going to win, and they were towards the end of the game. So I'm like, yeah, throw a no-hitter. I'm going to win tomorrow. Because at that time, the Astros were not good yet. So I'm like, I'll take a win tomorrow. Go ahead, throw your little no-hitter. Do all your little celebrating. Act like y'all won the World Series and do all that because I'm going to win tomorrow. And, of course, soon the next day. But I, I forget who it was. They had this big, strong left-handed, this big, strong right-handed hitter. I never can remember it. He hit like two home runs. This is when Astros were terrible. And he hit like two home runs and they crushed the Giants the next day. Again, it's about the team. It's not about the individual. So if I'm a Dodger fan, I'm excited because now i got a better chance of winning today. The goal is to win both games. Like, I remember when the Astros um, threw that combined no-hitter in game one of the series at Yankee Stadium, whenever that was, 2 3 right in there. And, and – it was cool that it happened against the Yankees at a Yankee stadium, and it was done with, like, what was it, six pitchers or whatever it was. But I was like, oh, well, we're not going to win tomorrow and probably not the next day. And sure enough, we didn't win the next two. I mean, it's about winning the series. It's about winning today and tomorrow. So I, I'm not as uh, big a deal about that, you know. Now, because I don't like the punks, I wish he would have thrown the perfect game because then their chances of winning today would go down. The other thing about that is another point I want to make on that is this. Look, there are some things that I'm old school about, and I guess you can get passionate about it. But I think there's a certain amount of hypocrisy with with that whole old school thing. Like somebody sent out some tweet about some guy who – you know, got struck by lightning and kept pitching. And then to, and then here you have Clayton Kershaw. Now, the lightning part is a whole different deal. But, but you know, if Clayton Kershaw pitched in the 20s, 
than he would have pitched. And if those pitchers who pitched 100 years ago, who, you know, threw all the time and and they didn't have these wimpy, you know, they weren't pampered and babied. If those pitchers who pitched 100 years ago pitched today, then they might be pulled. Like, it's just about what era you're in. So, you know, you have to understand that. It's not like these guys have no guts and they don't want to do anything and they're not tough. And the guys 100 years ago were tough. In a lot of cases, that may be true. But but if you switched them, then they would do what they do in that era. I mean, you got you to gotta take it, that into account. So I think people, some people go too far with all that silliness. And the other thing that's so funny is you got these people talking about how tough that, you know, they should be now. And Clayton Kershaw's a wimp and all this stuff. And I don't even like, well, Clayton Kershaw seems like a class act. I don't know why he's playing for the punks because he needs to go to a classy organization. But anyway, um, because he seems like a class act. I I really don't have anything against Clayton Kershaw. But some of those same guys are drinking their little fancy spring water out of a bottle and using a cell phone. So don't give me all that stuff. That stuff changes with the time. Doesn't mean Clayton Kershaw doesn't have guts. Doesn't mean he's not tough. It just means he's not pitching in. He's pitching now. I wish he would have thrown the perfect game so they'd have gotten beat. All right. That'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out the first hour of footnotes on this Thursday 14 days away from the NFL draft. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. love that song but we don't really have time to listen to any more than that welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station as we count down the days or at least i do man these days you know the old cliche what's the old cliche a clock watch never moves or something like that you know you just can't I got to stop thinking about it, but it's it, it's so difficult because it's all around me. I mean, I joked earlier in the week, I mean, if I did another profession, I think it, it'd be easier for me to not be all crazy about this if I, you know, did something else. If I worked at a restaurant or as I, you know, if I was a welder or I was a an accountant or something like that, of course, I'd have never been able to. I mean, there's no way I could pass a county squad. I'd never done it. But if or if it was a, if I was a lawyer, whatever. I would have a it'd be a lot easier to um to not obsess about it, but when when you do radio and newspaper for a living and you're con- you're constantly around it all the time and then your friends are constantly texting about it all the time. And it's not a bad thing, it's just it it, it just gets you kind of crazy. Uh, when it, when it's at, 
um, not a hammock draft. Now, if this was a hammock draft, like next year will be, it won't be anything like this because unless something happens, the Saints won't have a first round pick. So it will be, um, you know, it'll be more like a hammock draft. But man, as it is right now, this is this is awful. I mean. I don't I don't know how I'm gonna make it 14 more days. But again, the Astros playing well is the thing that that can help the most uh sports wise. So hopefully um they they continue to do well. But look, again, I, I get people being upset about Kershaw, but you know, like Rudy once said, he ain't no Ken of mine. I don't care what he does. I just hope he loses. And so I think by pulling him, they help their chances of winning today. And so that, I kind of wish he would have stayed in there and would have thrown the perfect game, and then they could have lost today. That's one more loss on their on their record. I, I just, um, I again, once again, I just look at things differently than, ever, than most things than everybody else. All right. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. One more segment. So if you want to get on the phone lines, the next time, next segment is the time to do it. We'll do that next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back. Um, again, the, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. You can watch us on Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. As we try to get through this Thursday as best we can with me being frantically impatient, uh, with the number 14, just kind of a daunting day. Uh, you know, some people count down, Joey brought up Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas. We're not even to the 12 days of the draft yet. We're on 14. But anyway, we will talk uh, some Astros baseball. We will talk some uh, Astros baseball uh, in the next segment. With Patrick, and then we will talk some Kentucky Derby. And again, by after today's show, I think there's only like one Derby prep. Mister Tom will let us know after you know from 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 here on out. And so after today's show, you should have a pretty good idea if you plan on betting on the Kentucky Derby. Who where where you gonna who you gonna which horse you're gonna bet on, or at least a, have it narrowed it down to like two or three horses. So hopefully we've uh, educated you and prepared you for that process. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. How are you? 
I'm great, man. I'll tell you, I got my mind right. I, I, uh, I did what I said I was going to do. I, I got my worst case scenario. I know that we're not, we're not drafting though. I mean, we're not, we're not trading our two picks. We already discussed that. My worst case scenario is we take a quarterback with one of those picks in the first round and I'll just be very angry, but I won't be like, you know, on the floor, not unable to go to work the next day. Like if, you know, it's not happening. Okay. That's not why I called. Okay. And I called to tell you that I think Mr. Bitter got the, maybe he's like the other friend. He's got his weeks mixed up because the angels are coming in on the 20th. Shohei, I guess, is going to pitch on the 20th and the 21st they're off. But the week of the draft, the 28th, they play that day. It's a, it's a 105 game versus the Rangers. It's the fourth game. It's a Thursday. It's a getaway game. It's a Thursday fourth game of of the of the series you see what i'm saying everyone says i'm crazy but even people who aren't obsessing about it they can't even fathom that the draft is still 14 days away even if they don't (laughs) care about the draft they still can't fathom that it could really be 14 days away right the angel series ends on the 20th the day you know which would be which they're thinking that the draft is on the 21st, but it's not. It's on the 28th. That's when the Angels, they, they are off on the 21st, you know, when everybody's thinking that the draft is starting, but it's not starting that day. Okay, uh, so I wanted to clear that up. That's how I call it. wanted to say, you know, I never had a lot of disdain for your boy. I, I'm a Baker Mayfield. I never had a lot of, you know, I, I never cared that much about him. He played for the Browns, and, you know, he... he but man, he really is a punk. Okay, oh. he's in baseball. He play. He played for the Dodgers. Listen, man, this. I, I just happened to see this little brief snippet of the interview uh, uh, yesterday about him talking about he's disrespected by the Browns, and and then he says the, about the boo and the fans. He likes to go in a cubicle where somebody's working one day and boo them while they're doing their work and see how they would do. Really? How many of them are making fifteen, twelve, fifteen, twenty million dollars in that cubicle? Most of these people are, you know, working day to day. This guy is really a punk, man. If he was a baseball player, he'd have to play for the Dodgers. That's all I can tell you. I really, I'm, like I said, I. I Y'all all, y'all all think I'm y'all all think because really many different. Trust me when I tell you this stuff. Trust me. I know. Listen, you know you 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 are, you know you you you're right. I think, and this I think you're right about Kershaw. I mean, I think I don't think he's a coward. I don't think he's gutless. I think he does what you know what people do. I mean, you know that's how it works these days. You know, I think I don't. I really wish he did play for somebody else because I kind of like Clayton Kershaw. Yes. but boy, it, whew, that team he plays for, I don't I don't like them. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just want this. I wasn't even going to call, but when I saw that yesterday, I said, boy, I got to call Kevin and tell him his boy Baker Mayfield, the number one pick. What a, what a waste. That's what, that's what we want to do, Kevin. That's what we want. We yeah, want we want to trade up for Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. To get Baker, hey, and this, one last thing. I heard Sam Howell describe. You say somebody said we were taking Sam Howell like in the first round. Yeah. He's described as a, Kevin, are you ready? 
This is what I read. A poor man's Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Kevin, how is that possible? How do you get to be a poor man's Baker Mayfield? <laughs> oh, man. That poor it's dog. incredible. Ooh, good luck to whoever gets you. Uh, all right, listen. Y'all have a great Easter. And I'm going to I'm gonna call you next week, at least uh, one day. I'm all right. All right. Thanks, Manny. Thanks. All right. <laughs> man. Baker Mayfield. When I think about the grief I took for having the gall or the wisdom, as I would put it, to to see that this cat, he's not even a first-round talent. He's not even a – there's no way that guy should ever be picked in the first round. And he was the number one overall pick. And people just, I mean, I got drilled on on Twitter for that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you, look at this guy. What a clown show Baker Mayfield is. Baker Mayfield, that's funny. A poor man's Baker Mayfield. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. But no, it's, um, I do think. Clayton Kershaw's a pretty classy guy, and so it is a shame that he he plays for them. But that's that, that that's just kind of the way that it is. So again, we've got um, tomorrow. It will be Good Friday, and we won't have an Astro game to talk about because they're off today. But you know, we do have some you know big three game three three game series that are going to be opening tonight. So that's going to be a an interesting um, process there. You know, you've got, again, LSU at Arkansas, Cajuns hosting ULM at home, and uh, really the most important one with, that carries the most weight. Um, I mean, the Arkansas one is more high profile because of how good Arkansas is on paper, but but I and but I don't think, the, you know, I, both of those teams are going to be in regionals. I, I don't know. I mean, it's important, but... If one team wins two out of three or loses two out of three, I don't know that it's going to shake anything up one way or the other uh, overall in the big picture of things. But, like, it's theoretically possible, very possible, that South Alabama and, and UL and softball, the winner of this series, especially if one team would sweep the other one, could make a difference between one team making and not making an NCAA regional. I mean, I think that's theoretically possible. And so, um, and more than just, and I'm not talking about like far-fetched possible. I mean, I think it's pretty possible. So that that series is, is obviously very important. And, you know, the more I look at the statistics, I, I think Coach Glasgow is right. I mean, you know, we all have anybody who's a longtime Cajun f- softball follower has certain amount of respect for the pitching that South Alabama's done over the last two decades, and they've been a little down in recent years. But it seems like they've got pretty good pitching. But but I think the Cajun pitchers are better. I I, I agree that it doesn't mean they're going to win. But uh, I don't I don't know why we would think that South Al's pitchers are better than the Cajuns pitchers. I think Cajun pitchers are better. But you just got to win the games. And the other thing that I heard someone say that we've got – the Cajuns have to prove that they can play well away from home. They haven't really done that this year. So they have to prove that when they go on the road 
they can play at the same level or anywhere near the level that they did this past weekend at home against um now they did that at Texas they showed they didn't play a great game but they showed guts um and so they've got to prove that they can play at that level that they played at this past weekend at home at Troy not necessarily that I'm not expecting them to win this series you know whatever that was 28 to you know what did they win seven to one seven to one and ten to nothing whatever that is 28 to two or what is that uh 24. And 10, 24 to 2. I'm, I'm not expecting that. But uh, just to play at a rate where you, let, where you exit the weekend, say, man, they played really well. And I was on the road in a big moment and, and all that. So we'll see all that. So, again, we'll have that to talk about. And then tomorrow we'll be 13 days away. 13 days away. Still a big number. It's Joe Ferguson. 13. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will do week two with Patrick McClellan talking Astros baseball. I need something to divert my attention. We'll be do that next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 14th, 1969. It's the first regular season Major League Baseball game played outside the United States. The Montreal Expos defeat the St. Louis Cardinals 8-7 in Montreal. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get talking some Astro baseball, I want to remind you about Richard Seafood Patio. If you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, where you can get some of the best ball crawfish, crab, shrimp, grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, po' boys, and, of course, that magical words or those magical words, seafood buffet, you need to simply go to the website, join the game clubhouse, and you will be eligible perhaps to win a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us Astro fan Patrick McClellan. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Well, we've got a week of baseball under our belts. Yesterday was kind of a stinker game, but overall, uh, there are lots of impressions so far. If you were going to say, okay, from the first six games, first week of the season, what was your what was your number one biggest impression or takeaway from the first week? Uh, I mean, overall, they are good. <laughs> Um, I, I think I think Alex Bregman coming out the gate hitting is, was big for me. That was just the thing that I that I was you know, that was my factor to the year was Alex Bregman getting back uh, in the swing of things. But they're good. <laughs> they're just they are very good, and that just is what it is. 
No, they are, and and I think Bregman is definitely one of them. Obviously, uh, we got a chance to see at least some uh, some people saw him in, in in spring training games, but we got a chance to see Jeremy Pena in real games. And yeah, I mean, he had games where he didn't get hits, and he had game he had two games where he got three hits. But you can see the potential there. I mean, I could see someone saying that would be the the number one takeaway from the first week. Yeah, and you know what? And just off of that, also, I, I think Jose Siri's a star. I, I think I think that's something to watch too. Yeah, Jeremy Pena is the truth, and, and they knew he was the truth, and that's why he's playing shortstop, but it's not Correa. But I, yeah, I think Jose Siri is a potentially uh, it might be a star as well. There's just something about him. He's got that it factor. All right, so I, that was going to be one of my questions I was going to ask, and since you brought it up, let's just go to that. So you've got. Okay. You've got McCormick who, you know, I think a lot, he was like two years ago, he was like on the playoff roster, he didn't even play a game. You know, he was just there. And everybody's like, well, who is this guy McCormick? And 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 I, we, I'm not, I, I remember last year, I have a daughter, my daughter, my youngest daughter Riley's a big Astro fan and she loves McCormick. And all year long I kept saying, I just don't know how he's going to play in the postseason. I don't know how he's going to be able to do it in the postseason. He, and he's held himself up pretty well. He had a, he was one of the few people that did well yesterday. And so you've got McCormick and then you got Myers who finished last year strong. So when he comes back from an injury, you've got McCormick who's fared well, I think, and done a good job defensively out and, and, and hitting. And then you got Myers who did well. And then you got Siri who kind of brings a flash and an aggressiveness that kind of fits into this team's personality most of the time. So what do what do they what do you think? How do you think all that's going to play out? Uh, yeah, I have absolutely no idea. But I, I mean, it's a good problem to have. I feel like Chaz McCormick. He's like a cockroach after a nuclear bomb. He every time you think that he's not going to play anymore, he he gives some hits and he just kind of hangs around. He's like. Yeah, he just does enough to, to get by. I don't know. I, Jose Siri, every time I watch him, all he does is produce. And, yeah, he has that attitude that goes around with the, with the playing. I don't know. Yeah, there's something I love about the uh, his whole his whole persona. So I, I, I'm i pro Jose Siri. But, yeah, Myers was great, too, last year. And, and great was they had some good postseason games. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's better than having no good players, <laughs> you know? I mean, I haven't like done the math, but is there really room for all three of them? I, I don't know that there. I don't think there's room for all three of them on the roster on a daily basis. No, there. I mean, there can't be. I, yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I guess that it's nice to be able to to rotate them like that. And if you want to give, yeah, just kind of give Brantley days off, and you're gonna want to give Jordan some days off. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, I, there's no way that you can keep all of them, at least on a long term on a long term basis. So I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what Dusty does. I, I, the platooning is the plan for at least for the, for for now. The other outfielder is one that most people, you know, nationally probably rank as the the Astros' best player, and it seems like for the second year in a row, and it's just one week that uh, Icky um, is uh, is getting off to a slow start. I, I kept hoping yesterday that just just hit a home run and get this game over with, and it just never could happen. I don't think it's a concern because I think we've all seen enough of him to know, but it looks like he might be a, a, a slow starter kind of a guy. Yeah, he he, he barreled up a, a bunch of balls in, in Anaheim, and like they were just right at the wall. Yes. He got caught. He just kind of hit in the gap, and it was just too. He just if he would have pulled it just a little bit, would have been a home run. So I think he's right there. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned with with Tucker. He'll be fine. 
All right. The you know again to that first question I asked you. You know you said Bregman. That's definitely one of them. And, and we talked a little bit about Pena. That's definitely one of them. But the number one thing for me, at least from the way I. I'm a big bullpen guy in terms of the importance of the bullpen to, to winning a World Series or getting to a World Series. You got to be really good in the bullpen, in my mind, uh, to get you down the stretch and then to win big and to get big outs. And for the last couple of years, it seems like every time we get to the trade deadline, the focus is got to get a left-handed pitcher or got to get a you know a, another bullpen arm or two. And I know it's just one week, but. I, I think I feel better about the depth of this bullpen than I have in a long time, maybe ever. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be wrong in that. I, I think that they might have, I mean, at least if you're talking about arm talent, they probably have the deepest bullpen in, in the, maybe in the entire league. But yeah, you've got, uh, you're, you're as solid as it gets on the on the back end with your, with you know, with Stanek Presley and, yeah, you have you have yeah you have the elite arms to, to close it out. But you have a bunch. You have the Christian Javier's, and you have the guys in the middle relief that are that are plus arms that can they can he can put in wherever he wants to interchange them in and out wherever he wants to put these arms and they're it's good. <laughs> it's, it's it's about as deep as it gets. I mean Hector Neris. You know I've had him on my fantasy league a couple times, and yeah. and, and it's hard. I guess it you know the Phillies of. Pitching wise, it's a disaster. I, I'd hate to be a fan of a team with a with one of these popcorn parks. I, I hate popcorn parks. But anyway, it, 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 he's never really to me been in a way above average pitcher. But through one week, he looks he looks mature. He looks calm. He can get out left handed hitters. He he doesn't seem to be a guy that's going to get rattled. I've been pretty impressed with him. Yeah, I think he's one of those. I think he's a what an Astros. He's one of those analytics guys. That they looked and they, they they kind of picked him specifically. I think that they're gonna tinker in with and do whatever they do with all the math and the algorithms. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. Tell, telling them where to pitch, when to pitch, all that stuff. But it, yeah. that seems to work. So I feel like he's one of those guys that they're gonna. They're like, oh, he he was a three point three point something ERA in Philadelphia, which is pretty good. So I think that they're they they, they know something with him. You know, another thing is. When the Astros made the trade last year, uh, trading Toro essentially to the Mariners for Graveman, you know everyone we Graveman was the was the big deal, and he pitched okay. I get, I mean he wasn't bad, but I you know at times he was really good, and at times he kind of scared me last year. Uh, and then now he's on another team, but. The throw-in guy was Rafael Montero, who when he pitched last year, I'm like, man, this guy looks pretty good. And right now I'm like, man, this guy's pretty good. I mean, he looks like he knows what he's doing up there. Yeah, he looks he looks really good too. And that's what makes me so encouraged about it. When you get when you're getting when those guys like that look good, it's like who uh, nobody has scared me yet. Which <laughs> everything everybody looks great. So I'm I'm filled with that. Framber Valdez, but for now it's good. Right, Framber Valdez is a strange guy to me. He looks like a big, lovable guy, kind of a teddy bear. He's always laughing in the dugout. People seem to have fun with him. Uh, you know, he's obviously thrown some great, some huge games for the Astros, like what he did at Fenway last year in the in the ALCS, and and he, and he's pitched very well at times in the in the in the COVID playoff year. He had some great performances, and yet at times he he comes up 
every once in a while in pitches like he did yesterday where he can't seem to throw a strike. Uh, you know, he, he's just strange, that guy, Framber, to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good assessment. Yeah, I think the uh, you know on the the important stuff is the his ability to pinch pitch those big games. So that's uh, on the on the uh, that end of the spectrum. That's great. But yeah, you're gonna get he's gonna he's gonna have he's gonna do the, have that those innings like that. Uh, even in some of his great starts, he'll he'll have an inning like that, and then he won't give up a hit for the rest of the start, and it'll kind of get back to the regress towards the means that was getting his close to 100, 90, 90 to 100 pitches. But, yeah, that's um, I think that's just, you know, youth. And he just did – sometimes he just doesn't have it. The location is just a little bit off, and that was uh, – I, I guess you just take it with the lump. It's just one of those things. Like, yeah, he'll, it'll eventually get straightened out. The thing that was ironic. That's Framber for you. It's weird. Right. <laughs> I don't know. The thing that was ironic is if you watch his first start, which was with the opener, he, uh, the umpire had a really tight strike zone, I thought. And yeah. after the first inning, I was like, oh, no, he's going to walk seven batters tonight. He just. Yeah. And, and yet he pitched unbelievable after that first inning. And then yesterday, the umpire was tight, but I didn't think as tight as the first one, and he couldn't throw a strike. Yeah, that was. It. I think he just had. Yeah, he had a little some control issues, and I just couldn't get it back. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. That first start, he was as good as he could be. But yeah, he'll do that. He'll just kind of. He'll be right off, and he just. Uh, yeah, he has to refocus, or sometimes he just needs to get out of a half inning and, and get to the next one. And he's a, he's a different pitcher. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that's something they're working on. Um, it's, yeah, yesterday wasn't too. It was not never good to hit hit somebody with the bases loaded. That's <laughs> about as bad as it gets. Yeah, that and it was kind of cheesy, but it it was. It, I guess it did hit his foot. All right, so McCullough supposedly threw. Like, have, are you hearing anything like timetable wise on him? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear what you said. M- McCullers, he supposedly threw like a little uh-huh. bullpen or something, a long through or something. Like, are you hearing anything more, or is that still we have no idea about his timetable? No, I, I have. I haven't heard anything more. I. Yeah, I, I, I'm still. I'm going to be negative about it until I, I, I'm told otherwise. Yeah, just the whole. It's just how vague they've been this entire time. When we don't really, nobody knows anything, and then he's just not playing. I, I just, I don't feel good about it. I know he's supposed to pitch at some point, so I, well, I have nothing for you there. I have no idea. I didn't know he was not going to play this. That he was going to not start the season. But there's just one of these things that I, I don't know. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he. <laughs> pitched in a couple weeks, and I also wouldn't be surprised if he never threw another inning in the major league. <laughs> I could be either of them. Yeah. No, I, I I get it. Now, all right, so they're opening up. Uh, I don't I don't know how you are, but, um, you know, the West Coast baseball kills me when, you know, I've been fatigued all weekend. You stay up late three times out of yeah. four nights or three nights, and if you play to midnight and you win, I can take it because you get natural adrenaline that comes with a win that helps you out, but then, you, you know, they always hit a wall like the next day or two days later. But one good thing is over the years – these late night games in Seattle, they usually win. I mean, they they were good in Seattle when the Astros were terrible. When they were losing a hundred games every year, they they could win in Seattle. So, hopefully, that will continue. But we'll we'll, we'll see. And the first time is this weekend. Do you, don't you have a lot of good memories of playing in Seattle? Yeah, I love. It's exciting this year with all of the hype behind the uh, these magical Seattle Mariners. So that's fun. It's kind of a little early season head to head matchup. But yeah, that's. One of those it's like the in the, uh, in the 90s and 2000s. You go to Cincinnati, you know we're, we're good to go. 
feeling good if you're in Cincinnati and Royals while it's on the mound. It's kind right. of the same thing. Seattle just, yeah, honestly, the entire AL West feels pretty good, <laughs> except maybe Oakland. But yeah, it's, it's it's a good it's good. Everybody get going. Let's go sweep them and get them out get them out of there. Seemed like I remember Verlander's first start was at Seattle after the Astros yep. acquired him, and and he's going to be pitching this weekend. Um, you know, m- the way I look at it is, e- look, let's say they lose this series. As long as they win one, that's a five and four road trip. That's not the end of the world. No, yeah, exactly. That's what. Yeah, I'm trying to remind people on the internet, which is very difficult to do, but that all there's the highs and lows. You just it's a long season. Just calm down. Every it's not. Yeah. Exactly right. Even if they get swept, it's not. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But if you know, yeah, win one is fine. But yeah, win those. Just keep winning series. Do what you can. Let's get this division out of here. Just finish it off really quickly. How are you? Um, you know, I, I, Altuve. He, he, he hit the home run in Anaheim, and he hadn't done a whole lot since. But he did get two hits yesterday, and and he drew two walks. One of the Times the times that he drives me nuts is when he gets too aggressive at the plate. So it, w- it impressed me on win on Tuesday, the first the win over Arizona. He walked in the seventh when he was not- in my mind noticeably less aggressive at the plate than he normally would be. And he walked again in the ninth, the batter before Brantley got the game-winning single to left. And so, and he even stole a base. So I'm wondering if, you know, last year, Yuli got way more patient than he had ever been. And I'm wondering if Altuve might be up to that this year, which I think would be a good thing. Oh, it'd be an incredible thing. If that, if he added that to his, he's already dangerous. And the, I mean, the aggression is why he's such a good hitter. But you're right. When he uh, when he was just off and uh, was that what 2021 when he was just couldn't couldn't do anything right he was, uh, COVID year. and he was just uh, he was swinging at pitches that were he just uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, if he if he can just dial uh, reel that in and take the walk and go on base, that's all that's all he has to do, and that I mean that's going to pay dividends. Big time, <laughs> especially with the guys hitting behind him, and then I, I For like. Sure. Like, what's wrong with uh, El Perro Grande uh, Alvarez? He just got, like, the flu or something? He got food uh, yeah, poisoning? Hope, yeah, probably. Yeah, hopefully he plays soon. He's always sick. That's something I, I don't know. He got COVID, like, twice or something. He's got – there's no talent. Yeah. All right. Well, they they could have used his bat maybe yesterday, but oh, well, it, it's over. All right, so I think overall very encouraging week one, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think. Yeah, I think business as usual. That we should be. Everybody should just be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. All right, sir. Well, hopefully next week is as good. I appreciate it. Enjoy your uh, Easter weekend. For sure, you the same. All righty, Patrick McClellan, talking Astros baseball. We will take a timeout, and when we come back, shift gears to the Kentucky Derby, the biggest Kentucky Derby. Uh, trial weekend this past weekend with three big races. We'll catch up with Mr. Tom about that next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. 
seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating, or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Before we get to our special guest, Mr. Tom, talk a little horse racing. Want to remind you, if you want to help clean up Lafayette with Trash Bash 2022, presented by the Environmental Quality Division of Lafayette Consolidated Government and Bayou Vermilion District, it is scheduled for... April the 23rd, like we've learned a lot of things are. Residents of all ages are invited to participate where you can pick up litter, trash, and streets, parks, and Bayou Vermilion. Anyone can volunteer. Volunteers can register by calling 291-5637, 291-5637, or by emailing recycling at louisianala.gov. It is free to participate. All right, we have with us Mr. Tom to talk horse racing, a very busy derby prep weekend last weekend with the Wood Memorial, the Santa Anita, and the Bluegrass. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, so these three races, surprises? Was it all chalk? Tell us what happened. Well, we found three horses that definitely have a chance to win the derby. It's a wide-open affair now. Uh, Mo Donegal won the wood in uh, in New York. He's an Uncle Mo. Uh, he's also a Todd Pletcher horse, and he ran extremely fast in 147.96 for the nine furlongs of the mile and at eight. So he's there, and he likes to come from behind. In the, in the bluegrass, Zandon, who's a Chad Brown horse by Upstart, he ran 150.37, but he did this on a on, on a very deep Keeneland track, so he can run as well. He loves to come from way off the pace. Now that, and the third, that, that he was the favorite, right? Uh, I think he was second or first or second favorite. There were two favorites in that race, but he was real close, five to two, I think. Okay, but he was one of the favorites, yes. And then we get to the D race, the big race, where you had three horses: Forbidden Kingdom. Um, Messier and a horse called Tabor. Now, Messier and Forbidden Kingdom, as I told y'all last week, were the two best horses in America for the dirt, right? All these horses combined, even Epicenter. So they run this race, six horses, there's three horses plus three others. Well, guess what? A horse called Tabor, who's had one race, he had one race 
prior to this, he ran six furlongs, which is three quarters of a mile. He won easily. He comes back against the two best horses, as I told you. He comes back. He beats Messier in the stretch. Messier ran very, very well. But his horse with one race came off the pace to beat him. His time was 148.67 on a pretty fast Santa Anita track. Wow, what does this do? <laughs> When's the last time a horse with two wins ever won the Derby? I'm going to tell you. 1883, a horse called Leonidas won with two races. He'd only run two races. So what does that say? You're a big stats man, Kevin. You know, that's 140 years. Man, they were still throwing baseballs at base runners to get them out in 1883. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's a long time. But this horse is sensational, Kevin. I'm gonna. T- I'm just going to go out on a limb. I mean, if this horse gets a clean trip, they're not going to beat him, even with two races. Now, Justify, they, they talked about Justify. He had four races coming in. Because no way Justify could do this and that. Well, he wins a triple crown. This horse is triple crown possible with two races. All right, so okay. so 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 tell me this. So of the other, how many of those three horses that you mentioned are going to be in the mm-hmm. Derby? Oops. Hello. Be- between Forbidden uh, Kingdom, Messier, and, and, and you yeah. said, t- how many of those three horses are going to be in the Derby? One. Well, I would guess all of them. There's really no reason not to have them. They all have the points, and they're all very, very good. There's no reason. And the only reason you keep a horse out of the Derby right now is basically, number one, the owner doesn't want to do it. Number two, the trainer says the horse is probably not going to do it. We'll go far enough. Or number three, actually, is an injury. Other than that, everybody wants to be in the Derby, Kevin. If they have the points, they're going to be there. Even that Japanese horse is going to be there. Crown pride. So it's going to, the Derby is going to be interesting. That this last weekend made the Derby interesting. Okay. If you can put it that way, those three horses can win a Chad Brown, a Todd Fletcher, and a Tim Yakteen that were used to be a Baffert horse, that Taba. All three of them are very, very good. I think Epicenter might be the other, only other horse that could beat those three horses, but we'll see. You know. So, um, of the so you like these three yards, you like Epicenter. So of the other yeah. Derby preparation winners, yeah. which other one would be a good dark horse to kind of keep an eye on as you get closer to this? Well, White Burial won the Florida Derby. White Burial is a very nice horse. He's trained by a guy named Sappy Joseph, who was a trainer in in Bermuda for years. But he came to Gulfstream, and he's really, really good. Uh, White Burial's a nice horse, and he ran a nice race. But it, it, the, the problem here, Kevin, is he he's not as fast as those three horses this weekend. And when I say not as fast, I think you understand what I'm talking about. He, he's not so much not a, he can't beat them, but he really isn't as fast as them. But he's certainly a nice horse. Cyberknife, who won the Arkansas Derby for Brad Cox, Brad Cox gets his horses ready. They, it has a chance, too. White Burial, Cyberknife, those are the two horses I think might challenge those other four horses in there. But 
again, I get to Barber Road. I'm not going to leave Barber Road out of this. He's never won a prep. Okay? And I said to last week in 2005, another horse who never won a prep won the Derby. And his name was Giacomo. He paid $100. So Barber Road is that kind of horse. We don't know what he can do. We don't know how fast he can be. But we're fixing to find out on the 7th of May. You know, that's, the thing... The, the thing about the Kentucky Derby is, like you said, one of the Derby prep win- winners is a come-from-behind horse. With all the yeah. traffic in the Derby, that that doesn't that – now, you tell me if I'm wrong, but that doesn't seem to jive with me. Absolutely difficult. Let me put it that way. You want – every horse, every all 20 horses are shooting for that one point on the first turn. And I've told you that before. They're all shooting for that one point. If they start from the one hole and they're not fast, guess where they're going to be? If they start from the 20 hole and they're not fast, guess where they're going to be? So you want to get to that point as fast as you can and establish yourself going around that first turn. After that, it's almost impossible for a late runner to win unless he finds a place to be comfortable on the track. And I don't know if anybody understands that. Jockeys do that. They get horses in the place where they're most comfortable. And when you get a horse in the place where he's most comfortable, all kinds of things can happen. I'd rather be on the front, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, but but see, the other, these other horses that run on these really yeah. good tracks that you're talking about that yeah. have a lot more speed, it seems like yeah. being in a track with – in a race like the Kentucky Derby with that many horses, way more than they yeah. would normally, that, that that's kind of like a great offense that's playing on a muddy field. Not necessarily this is going to be a muddy track, but like there are more well, obstacles potential to, to, for them it, to it, not reach it, their potential. It's, it's, it's amazing. There's a whole bunch of obstacles involved. But the biggest obstacle is finding a place where you can run for home. You know? Uh, you, you Hello. Go ahead. Okay. Finding a place where you can run. That's all, Kevin. That's what a jockey does. Uh, you know, if he puts a horse in the wrong place, then no matter what the horse does, he's not going to win. If he gets behind a bunch of horses or gets stuck on the rail in the pocket, he's not going to win. But if you run like they did last year, you remember Medina Spirit, all those horses up close to the front? Well, that's what they did. They won. But horses come from behind. I remember Grindstone. In 96, when Grindstone ran down Cavanier, uh, it can happen. You can run them down if you get the right position. But I, I tell you, I don't, I, I, I don't want to be running from dead last. I don't want to be running from the 12, number 12. I want to be running in the top seven horses. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to have. All right, one more question. You mentioned uh, uh, that that one of the horses needed to get a jockey. What's the time? Like, when, when would that normally happen? Like, if 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 they're going to be some jockey changers on some of these Kentucky Derby horses, is that yeah. like we won't know that till the week before the race, or when? Well, we got twenty three days till the race, so most horses won't come into Churchill until about a week before, and they'll try to run at least one time around the track. You know, one good workout. Uh, they'll they'll be at Keeneland for a while. They might be elsewhere. They will ship in. But if he's good, if a jockey change is going to happen, it's going to happen within the next ten days. We're not going to wait till the last minute because they've got to have to work these horses out. And I've told you before, 
Horses that work real good on Churchill usually run real well in the race. And that's just, you know, I'm, I'm always careful to look and make sure that somebody is, likes the track, you know? Right. Sometimes horses don't like it, and that's what happens. They don't run. But can I, can I make one more comment before we go? Yes, sir. Um, last weekend, they ran the last three prep races for the Kentucky Oaks. Okay. Now, normally I wouldn't talk about it because Echo Zulu, another Asmussen horse, he has epicenter as well, was so dominant in all the preps up to then. Well, last weekend we had three preps. We've got four or five horses in the Oaks now that can challenge Echo Zulu. So if anybody's interested, Friday afternoon before the Derby, the Oaks is run, and it's going to be very, very good. So just to mention that that they'll have a, a, a bit interesting race. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time and your wisdom uh, and yeah. information as always. Thank you very much. We're getting closer. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Mr. Tom talking horse racing. Hmm. Sounds like it could be interesting when we get to about single digit days away from the Derby and we start trying to pick what horse is going to win, especially if you plan on wagering on that. All right. We'll take a timeout. Final one. Finish out today's show next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You know, that made me feel a little better. One, Mr. Tom gave me a lot of information I didn't know. And I, I, I've said for a long time, I'm what are you what you say? Are you a big horse racing guy? No, I don't follow it on a regular basis, but I've always been intrigued with horse racing. I that's the one sport that I think that if I, if I ever just had gotten into it at an earlier age I could really I would really enjoy. So I I've always been kind of from afar interested in it the OI the whole process of of looking at racing forms and trying to figure out who's going to win this race um and the unpredictability of 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 that gets thrown in because you're dealing with animals with animals not like in auto racing you're dealing with, you know, the, the the car is not a living, breathing thing with emotions and anything. So it's just, uh, I don't know, I've always been interested, so I'm, I'm interested in that. But again, if you're a big Kentucky Derby person, you got to wait 23 days, like, he, like I mentioned earlier and Mr. Tom mentioned in the last segment. So it makes me feel a little better that I got to wait 14 more days till the draft. And, and like Manny said, a lot of people still think that it's next week. I mean, they even people who don't care about the draft as much as me, they can't even fathom that it would be 14 days away. 14. Well, tomorrow it'll be 13. Y'all have a nice day.